Father, thank you for uh, the fact that we were able to all gather here this morning. We have a dry place to do that in that uh, we, were, we were all able to get out of our homes and, and uh, have the time available to gather together this morning and not have to uh, take care of storm damage, but uh, we, you have blessed us with uh, the free time to gather together this morning. So just ask that you would uh, continue to bless this time, that you would uh, knit our hearts together with each other and together with you, and that we would truly take the opportunity that we have this week to, uh, to show your love and represent your kingdom in some real tangible ways uh, to our neighbors and to some uh, evacuees that... Uh, that are here not by their own choice. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are continuing our series this morning on the, uh, the vineyard values. And again, if, you, if you've missed, um, in particular, the first two, when, uh, when Scott and Noel spoke, those are kind of the, the banner that, that covers everything else. So if you missed those, and in, in of those two, especially the one where Noel talked about, we are a people of the kingdom of God. That's how all of our values start out. We are a people of the kingdom of God who, and then there's our values that flow from that. And if you missed that, then you need to go back and listen to that because it is absolutely foundational to not just who we are as, as the vineyard movement, but to who we are as children of God. And it is really, really important stuff. So uh, you can go online, go listen to that podcast. Um, but we are we are a people of the kingdom of God. And today we're going to we're going to talk about who experience and worship God. So last week was we're, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We partner with the Holy Spirit, right? And we talked about that. And and today we're going to talk about we're a people of the kingdom of God who experience and worship God. And so in in similar fashion to to last week, we were talking about the the Holy Spirit. There is a presumption in us being uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? And the presumption was that God does, will, and does directly interject himself into our daily lives. That's the presumption that he's not removed. He's not just hovering above us somewhere, watching all of this going, sorry about your luck. Uh, He is active in our daily lives. That was the presumption that we had over all that. Well, we're making that same presumption today that if we are going to experience God, then he's got to be available for us to experience, right? And so uh, we're assuming that God wants to show up. It wants to be here with us. It wants us to experience him. It wants us to worship him. And so, so this kingdom of God that we're talking about, remember, this is not a geopolitical state that we're referencing when we talk about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not simply the people of God gathered together. Like we can gather together as the people of God and not be the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is when God interjects himself into our broken world. And in our vineyard vernacular, we say, and begins to set things right. That's when the kingdom of God shows up. And we see this when Jesus performs the miracles. This is an example of that. Uh, in, 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 and certainly the miraculous is a part of that. But any time that we stake a claim for uh, the theme that you see in, the, in, in Scripture, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is the theme of righteousness and justice. 
That's the, the theme that we see connected with the kingdom of God. So when, when you stake a claim for righteousness and justice, whether that's setting things right physically in somebody's body, whether that's uh, speaking up for the poor, whether that's uh, serving the evacuees that are in our community uh, because of the storm and that need certain things that they just couldn't bring with them and so forth. When, we, when we're about righteousness and justice, that's when we are participating in the kingdom of God. And we do so in partnership with the Holy Spirit, like we talked last week. And it is, in, it is also empowered by, through our, our worship and experiencing God. And so, again, God wants to be known. And this is what I think is the great distinctive of our faith with all the other faiths out there. Pick them. I don't care which one. They're all, the rest of them are, are some sort of an attempt for man to reach up to God or whatever it is that they believe in. It's, it's, it's us reaching up. That's the, that's the theme of all the other faiths. Our faith is the only one that I'm aware of where the theme from Genesis to Revelation is God reaching down to us. God taking the initiative with us. He wants to be known. He wants us to know him. Don't miss the significance of that. We do not have a God that hides in tea leaves or in the stars or in the clouds. He does not hide himself from us. He is not removed from us. He has made himself plainly known to us through his word and through what he has created. Right? Romans teaches us that. He has made himself plain to us through what he has given us in his word and through his creation. And there have been some folks along the way who understood that in really, really significant ways. This is a sidebar. You don't have to take notes on this part. But um, you were taking notes, right? Anyway, all right. So, um, so Isaac Newton, we all know Isaac Newton, right? The, the father of modern science and uh, uh, brilliant, brilliant scientist and mathematician. You know, he also invented calculus, like all that cor- the course that we all hated in high school and we tried to avoid in college. Newton invented calculus when he was 26 years old because the algebra that he'd been working with which, by the way, we got from the, from the Arabs. That's another conversation. Um, so the algebra that he'd been working with wasn't sufficient, so he invented calculus to explain what he was observing. 26 years old. Reasonably intelligent human being. Isaac Newton was as fluent in biblical Greek and Hebrew as he was in scientific Latin. Did you know that? He was every bit the Bible scholar that he was the scientist. And he pursued science... Because he felt that the created world, which he did believe was created, was by studying that, we could learn God's thoughts after him. We could see how the creator works and we could learn from God just as much through his creation as we could through his inspired word. That is Isaac Newton. He would have a lot to say to some of the scientists we have today. (laughs) So that was a sidebar. Anyway, so God wants to be known. He has revealed himself to us very plainly in a variety of different ways. He does not want to be hidden and removed. We don't have to go looking underneath rocks and all that for God. He has made himself known to us. So how do we experience him? Well, part of how we experience him is what we did today, this morning already, and what we're doing right now. When we gather together and we worship with God, 
because it is with God, not just to God. When we worship, then there is an experience with God. And there are things that happen when we worship, uh, usually emotionally, that at least for me, don't happen when I'm driving down the car, listening to the ra- or driving down the road in my car, listening to the radio. It doesn't happen, but it happens when I'm here with the rest of you and we're all worshiping together. It happened for me this morning uh, that there's in you know, and so as part of the, the the vineyard, we believe that in worship we do experience God. And it is, it is not, and it's, uh, well, one of the criticisms that I've heard uh, about uh, experiencing God through worship is, well, it's just, you know, it's just too emotional. It's just too emotional. And I, and, and I grew up in a very stoic tradition. Don't misunderstand where I'm coming from with this. But that's always kind of confused me when someone would say that, well, worship was just too emotional. I'm like, well, what's it supposed to be? I mean, come on, man. It's worship, right? I mean, when you experience God, when God interjects himself into your life, shouldn't it be a little emotional? When you read scripture, what is the most common response to being in the presence of God? Like there's, there's several instances in scripture where people are in the presence of God. What's the most common response? their face. <laughs> it is emotional. It is physical. It is spiritual. It is like, oh, wow. I, I, oh, they don't have words. They fall on their face. That's the response to being in the presence of God. It's not some pious stoicism. Oh, yes, God is present. Hmm. Yeah. No, it is physical. It is emotional. It is spiritual because you are in the presence of the holy God creator. So this, it, it is an emotional experience. It should be an emotional experience when you're worshiping God and there is that connection corporately with God. But it doesn't just happen when we gather together, right? Worship can happen when it's just you and God. So worship, the best description I've heard of worship or the best explanation of what worship is uh, that's kind of stuck with me, and there's others, don't, I mean, if this doesn't work for you, that's fine. But for me, it's when what I've heard and what I've kind of held on to is that when you humble yourself and you exalt God, like that's, that's worship. Anytime you do that, you say, it's not me, it's you. This is about you. So humbling yourself and exalting God, that's worship. Now, we do that with songs. We do that with, you know, when we sing, certainly, you know, the, the songs are all about God, you are great, you are beautiful, whatever. All right. It's directed to God when we worship. But when we pray, like we are, when we pray, we are, we are acknowledging the place that God has in our lives. We're acknowledging, first of all, that he listens, okay? Second of all, like Scripture tells us, he does want to act on behalf of our prayers. And that one confuses me. I don't understand, but he does. He chooses to act on behalf of our prayers. Um, but it's, it's also... Um, totally lost my place. Uh, he, <laughs> he does want to connect with us uh, through our, our individual prayers with him, just as much through corporate worship. And it can still happen, right? When we humble ourselves and we exalt God, that's where I was, that is worship in its most condensed form, okay? And we can do that whenever. Uh, and, and certainly, um, you know, there have been times, and it doesn't happen all the time, but there have been times in my worship with God where, yeah, my response was to fall on my face in, a, in an emotional wrecked mess because God showed up and just wrecked me. And it doesn't happen all the time, and I don't think it has to happen all the time, but that gets to part of what our, our experiencing of God is like in the vineyard is, yeah, sometimes it's emotional, 
But it's not emotional all the time, right? And it doesn't have to be. So it's not about hype. It's not about us trying to contrive, you know, the, what the, the, the experiences of that encounter are like all the time because it doesn't have to be like that all the time. It's fine to stand there and say, God, I love you, and this is great today, uh, and not fall on your face. That's fine, and that's part of our, our value in, in the way that we worship and experience God in the vineyard is we're just, we want to make space for God to be God, and we don't say it has to be like this all the time, but if God shows up and you fall on the floor in an emotional wreck, well, all right, we're going to pray over you, and sure, if that's what God does, that's what God does, and that's kind of the theme that I've seen throughout the vineyard is we want to make space for God to be God. And we're not going to contrive it or put limits on it from our own understanding or own desire to always have a certain emotional experience. It's neither one of those. We just want God to be God and we want to encounter God and experience God. However, he wants to show himself to us. And so we want to, and through our worship, and this kind of goes back to last week with partnering with the Holy Spirit, it's through our worship that we gain sensitivity to listening to the Spirit of God, right? When we humble ourselves and exalt God and put ourselves in that position, then as we do that continually, then we gain a greater sensitivity of listening to the Spirit of God. And this can look at, so the best story that I can think of from Scripture that talks about listening to the Spirit of God is Paul. And uh, you remember the story of Paul when uh, he's in prison, um, I believe it's in Philippi. Could be wrong on that. Don't hold me to that. But they're in prison, right? And, 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 and there's a group of people praying for Paul. And, and the, uh, I think it's Silas that's with him here. Um, and so two of them are in prison. A group of people are praying for them in prison. Now, they're in prison, we know, for preaching the gospel, right? So if... Um, uh, Let's just say that um, Ryan and Bryant got thrown in prison tonight for preaching the gospel. And we all gather here to start praying for Ryan and Bryant. I'm going to guess that one of the prayers that we're praying is, God, get them out of prison, right? That would be a pretty logical prayer to pray in that situation. Hey, God, they're there because they were standing up for you. How about you get them out? You know, let's, so they can go back and stand up for you. So that might have been part of what they were praying in this situation don't know. It's not recorded, but I'm guessing that seems reasonable. In the middle of the night, there's an earthquake. <laughs> the torches fall off the wall and are snuffed out. The gates fling open on the jail and the chains literally fall off of Paul and his companion. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in that situation and I've been praying, God, get me out of prison. And there's a whole bunch of people back at church praying, God, get these guys out of prison. And there's an earthquake and the doors fly open and my chains fall off and the lights go out. I'm thinking, thank you, God. I'm out of here. Right? I mean, would you not think that? I mean, how much more of an act of God do you want on getting you out of prison? And that's what Paul's companions started to do. And Paul said, wait, we're not supposed to go. Huh? And so when the jailer, you know, kind of, you know, he was knocked unconscious too. Did I leave that out? The jailer is unconscious. So when the jailer comes to, relights a torch, he's about to commit suicide because he knows the prisoners are gone. And as a Roman jailer, your life is liable for maintaining those prisoners in jail. If there's a jailbreak, 
they kill you as a Roman jailer. That's how that worked in the Roman system. So the jailer literally he sees what's happened. He's about to commit suicide. He's about to stab himself. And Paul says, whoa, whoa, we're all still here. So not only did Paul stay, but he convinced everybody else to stay. <laughs> really? The gates just flew open. And as a result, Paul sat down with that jailer and his whole family because they lived at the jail. And they all started following Jesus that night. And, oh, by the way, the next morning they were released from jail and they went back to everybody. But Paul knew. Now, there's another story where that same thing happened and they did walk out. They did walk out. So how do you know? That's that's what's always confused me about that story is how in the world did Paul know that that was not God saying, walk through the open door, right? God just opened a door. If this is, Well, here's the open door. And Paul said, uh-uh. Are you listening to me? Is what God was saying to Paul. Are you listening to me? Are you just on your own agenda here? Well, Paul, because of the time he had spent worshiping God, humbling himself, exalting God, listening to the Holy Spirit, knew that walking through that door was not the answer to their prayer. That they were going to be out of jail, but this wasn't the way it was going to happen. Man, you got to be listening real close to hear that. <laughs> you got to be listening real close. But that's what happens when we worship and experience God, both corporately and individually, is you get that sensitivity to the Spirit, to where you can hear those things from the Holy Spirit. Because if our lives are filled with all the noise and, and, and influence and, and input from our culture, and we don't spend time worshiping together and individually with God, then how in the world are we going to be able to hear God unless he just hits us over the head with a two-by-four, right? If all of our influence... From, is, is our culture around us, and we don't spend time humbling ourselves, exalting God, focusing on God, how in the world would we hear what he has to say? It is vital, vital, if we are going to be a people of the kingdom of God, that we worship and experience God together and privately one-on-one. Absolutely vital to us carrying out the mission. And, of course, the Spirit also gives us gifts to help enable us to be the people of God, right? To be that kingdom of God. He gives us all the gifts that we talked about last week. So there's a quote at the, uh, at the end in the Vineyard Values uh, book, which you can go online. There's a PDF. You can download it. You can just read it online, whatever. It's really good. I would encourage you to take a look at it. But the last quote under experiencing and worshiping God When we experience his presence through Christ by the Holy Spirit, don't miss that, that's very intentional language. When we experience his presence through Christ by the Holy Spirit, we will be made more fully human and better reflections of the God image we were created to be. Because that's also how stuff gets set right in us. It's when we worship God and we give him access to us, then he also starts to set the stuff right in us that needs to be set right. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because God fixed it. Because God fixed it, not because of some self-help book. I'm no longer a slave to fill in the blank. Why? 
because I humbled myself and I raised my hands and I said, God, I can't. So if we're going to experience God, it does take some risk, doesn't it? It does take some risk. Best story for that, right? We all know this story. Peter, right? They're on the boat out in the middle of the night. Waves are crashing over this boat. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. Really? Surely that didn't happen. Go back and listen to last week's podcast. Yes, it did. Walking on the water. And they're terrified, right? Ghost! Right? Because this doesn't happen. Like, even they had a little bit of naturalism in them, right? This doesn't happen. You can't walk on water. That must be a ghost. Jesus said, nope. No, it's just me. You don't need to be afraid. And Peter said, if that's really you, you tell me to come out there to you on the water. Jesus said, all right, come on. (laughs) At least that's my translation of what Jesus said. And so what did Peter do? There's 12 guys in the boat, right? Peter, I love Peter. Peter grabs the gunnels of that boat and swings his legs over without ever giving it a second thought. And then what happens? He walks on the water. He walks on the water for a while. And then he gets, you know, looks around and goes, wait a minute, I shouldn't be doing this. And then it's like, you know, and then, you know, Jesus, oh, you have little faith. Like, really? It seemed like a lot of faith. Anyway, there's risk. There's risk. If we're going to experience God, we're going to have to let go of some things. We're going to have to let go of what we're holding on to inside. Sometimes we're going to have to grip the sides of the boat and swing our legs over. Because if there's not risk in experiencing God, are we really experiencing God? Or are we just staying in our own little shell of what we think God should be? Because I got news for you. Read, read the book. If you're really following Jesus, you're really following him, he will consistently take you to a place where all those things that you are hanging on to, they don't work anymore. He's going to take you right to the edge of that. And you're going to say, and he's going to say, okay, now I need you to take the next step. You say, I can't take the next step because all that stuff I'm counting on isn't there anymore. And he's going to say, right, I understand. Now take the next step. Am I enough or am I not enough? That's where Jesus takes us. And if you want to experience God, really experience God, and not just your contrived notion of who God should be, then you got to step. You got to do it. And it's scary. And sometimes it's painful. But I promise, I promise, if you'll do it, you will know God and experience Him like there is no other way possible that could have happened. And Paul tells us that that's the highest goal, right? Remember Paul's things, I consider everything lost. Remember that passage in Philippians? Everything's a loss. I consider it all rubbish. For what? To plant churches all over Asia? To be the biggest ambassador, you know, for for the gospel? To write the majority of the New Testament? Is that what Paul considered it all a loss for? No. Remember what he said? I consider everything a loss that I may know Christ Jesus. That's it. 
That's what everything was rubbish for. Just so I can know my Lord. That's it. Because that's enough. So this that we do on Sunday mornings, this is not optional if we're going to be people of the kingdom of God. This is essential. This is vital. Some of us know that. Some of us are struggling with that. This is not optional stuff because it's here. This is the only time that I gather with the rest of you during the week and do this. This is it. I mean, we may all get together and hang out from time to time. But this is it. This is the only time. This is where this happens, where I humble myself and exalt God with the rest of you. Now, I can do it one-on-one all the time, but it's not supposed to stay that way, right? We've got to do it together. So this is important stuff. If we're going to be a people of the kingdom of God who experience and worship God. So, similar to last time, um, you know, we do want to give God the opportunity to be God. And if, as we wrapped up last week, um, uh, I invited anybody that needed prayer over something, anything, I don't care, uh, to just stand up. And I volunteered myself last week because, as you can probably tell from every conversation you've ever had with me, my sinuses are all messed up, polyps all in my head, need expensive surgery that probably won't even work for very long. And so I have no smell, no real taste. It's kind of a bummer, not life-threatening, but I'd love for Jesus to fix it. I really would. It would be really nice if he'd just fix that. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep standing myself. I'm going to ask if anybody else needs prayer, if you just kind of stand and, or make your way up here in just a second and take a look and see who's standing up here. And some of you just come, a couple of you come and pray over each person. And there's no, it, 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 it's not like if Scott doesn't pray, it doesn't work, right? <laughs> come on, all right? Scripture is real clear. All we got to do is be available, right, to God. That's all he needs is availability. He doesn't need a special skill set. He needs availability. So that's how we'll end our time. Uh, if you would like prayer, come on up here, one side or the other. Folks, come up and pray over you. Um, go get your kids, and uh, that'll be our time together this morning. Yes, Scott. Can you tell everybody how we experience God when we pray for each other? Yeah, so as we pray for each other, there's a couple of things that, that, that may happen. Um, God may like show up right there in the moment. And, and sometimes that happens. And the things that you're praying for, for that person, uh, may start to happen right there. Um, and I've, I've seen that happen. And sometimes that's the way God wants to do that. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, that you might, it might feel like, you know, if someone's got their hand on your shoulder, like there might be this warm sensation that starts going through your entire chest cavity, not just where they have their hand, right? I mean, that feels warm, but like everywhere, like really warm. That happens sometimes. Um, and then God sometimes uh, will give somebody a word to speak into somebody's life. Like, and it just seems kind of random to you. And if that happens, then you can just say, so, all right, so as we're praying, I feel like God's have, you know, asking me to say this to you. Does that mean anything to you or, or not? Because, like, we could be wrong, too, right? I mean, just because we think we're hearing God doesn't mean we are hearing God, right? I mean, you go eat some you know, spicy Mexican food and, and, and have heartburn through the night. And you might be able to write part of Revelation too. I don't know. But, uh, <clears throat> if, but, so, but if you think God's given you a word to say to somebody, then just ask him, hey, 
I feel like the Lord's having me say this to you. Does that mean anything to you? And they may say, no, not really. Okay. And if that happens and you're, you're the no, not really person, still hang on to that. Because maybe that word might be for later. Or maybe it just might be bad Mexican food. I don't know. But sometimes, sometimes that word shakes you to your core too. And you go, and you get weak in the knees and you think, oh, that means a lot to me actually. Yeah, that's incredibly significant because that's what God and I have been talking about. That does happen too. So a couple of ways that we might experience God. Am I getting what you're talking about? Okay. So that might happen. So if that happens, just let it happen. We're going to make room for God to be God, right? And if it doesn't, that doesn't mean that God didn't show up, okay? It just means that God's going to be God, and we're not, and so we don't get to follow a script. This is not a formula. This is just making space for God to be God. Make sense? All right. Thank you all. Love you. Thanks for our time together. If you need prayer, you can come up here. I'll be up here. If you want to pray over folks, please do that. And don't forget your kids.